I like spinach, I like kale, I like turnip greens too. I like string beans and collard greens and uh, Brussels sprouts will do. Welcome to Dr. Yum's Dish. I'm Dr. Namali Fernando, also known as Dr. Yum, and I am the pediatrician and founder of the Dr. Yum Project, a nonprofit organization in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to help families make the connection between food and health. On this podcast, we will get the dish on food and health while talking to interesting guests who really believe and understand the power of that connection. Today, we have a special guest from our community in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Dr. Richard Lewis is a cardiologist in Fredericksburg. He's also the medical director of the Mary Washington Health. Alliance, a clinically integrated network intended to improve the quality and overall patient experience while reducing unnecessary costs for medical providers, hospitals, and patients. He is an active participant in our local chapter of the American Heart Association, and when he's not busy being a cardiologist and proponent of heart health, he is busy with his musical career with his band, Rick and the Arrhythmic. He is a lyricist and raps and sings about all things health-related and heart-related, and I'm sure he will share some of his rhymes with you today. Dr. Lewis says that 80% of cardiovascular disease is preventable, and he is here to talk to you about what cardiologists want you to know about taking care of your heart, especially through a healthy diet. So thanks so much for being with us today, Dr. Lewis. I am really excited about this conversation. Um, We kind of live on opposite sides of the patient spectrum, you dealing mostly with adults and me with pediatrics. So it'll be very interesting to get your take on um, how foods can help our general health from an adult medicine perspective. So I wanted to share something with you. There was an article recently in the New England Journal of Medicine that said that 57% of today's kids will be obese by age 35. What do you think about that? That's a scary thought, isn't it, for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, obesity itself is a problem, but as you know, it's associated with all kinds of other health problems like elevated cholesterol, heart disease, stroke, uh, diabetes. Uh, So it's not just the obesity itself, but it's all the other health problems we're associated with. And that's a concern not only for the health status of these individuals, but our nation's health care bill. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine for healthcare alliances like yours, um, it doesn't bode well for healthcare spending, does it? No. And in fact, if you look at the uh, money we spend on healthcare, it's uh, it's obviously a lot. It's a lot spent on patients that are already ill, that are getting acute treatment in the hospital, intensive care treatment. And if we could turn back the clock and uh, have uh, intervene and prevent some of these problems, then our, again, our health care bill would be a lot less. So it's, it's really one of those investments that has multiple returns. And the investment itself in terms of education uh, and instruction and eye-opening into heart-healthy habits pays dividends down the line. It doesn't really cost that much. It's kind of a low-tech investment with a lot of return down the right, line. Right, right. So one of the things I, I would love to talk about today is kind of your thoughts on the top heart-healthy foods. Mm-hmm. Um, And then also kind of what you think um, you want parents to know about how they can make sure their kids have good heart health for life. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to those. But first of all, I just want to know a little bit about kind of what, how you grew up eating and Mm -hmm. some of the foods that you grew up eating. And Yeah, I I was very fortunate because my mother, I think, was ahead of her time. And we had a very heart healthy uh, diet in general, very, a lot of plant-based um, I remember I would be in the kitchen when my mother was preparing a toss salad and um, 
I would be between her and the and the refuse because I all the stuff she was getting ready to throw away I would eat. You know, <laughs> if she would if she would um, uh, use a peeler on a, a cucumber, you know, the the outside of the skin, I would love to eat that. Um, she would get ready to throw throw away. She cut off the tops of the lettuce or leaves, and I would eat that. Uh, the ends of the carrots, the little trailing roots off the radishes. I don't know. It was crazy. I mean, and the funny thing is, I never got out of that habit. And my my wife, I almost said mother because she kind of mothers me, but my wife, and she's she's a nurse. She's an RN. Right. Very also very health conscious. I've been very fortunate with the women taking care of me my whole life. But she shoes me out of the kitchen when she's making a salad because she has a fruit garden and a vegetable garden and a and a flower garden, and she's trying to create compost. But uh, if I'm there, hardly anything next to the compost pile because I'm eating all these things that you would normally compost. So anyway, it's it's, it's funny that it's um, you know I've had that advantage that I I just grew up with a heart healthy diet. We had a lot of fish. Uh, she didn't create, she didn't, we, we had very unadorned food. I never remember her making fancy sauces or gravies. It's funny because when I went to my parent, when I went to my friends' homes, you know, it, it was a lot different, but, uh, and it's not some, nothing I particularly miss. But again, so there was a lot less salt in my diet that might have been, a lot less fat. And again, this was before it was, uh, you know, something that people talked about a lot. So, right, yeah. right. It's funny that you said that about eating the scraps because I always heard that if the garbage disposal was a member of your family he would be the healthiest member yeah, of your family and funny? so that was you <laughs> right yeah, growing up exactly. it's just, like I say it's funny because my mom would didn't discourage me you know that I think it was one of the, it was a grand grandmothers that say you should eat a pound of dirt in your lifetime or something that's right. one of that I probably got enough of that too but right. uh, and it's funny that it just persists into adulthood and um, but yeah, it's just become, so that's why I'm so interested in, in, in what you're doing because that's what you're doing. Basically you're creating heart healthy habits so that it becomes natural. It becomes normal. It's not like, in fact, I would always avoid telling my patients, my adult patients to go on a diet because I think it's some kind of regimen and it's, it's almost like being put in jail or being put a, a straight jacket on that you've got to do this. And this has got to be something that may be against what you're naturally inclined to do. So I, I try to avoid using even the term diet and talk about, well, we just need to change your lifestyle. You need to uh, incorporate healthier living into your life and into your uh, meals so that it's not, it's more natural for you. That's something you naturally do. I mean, we've got to eat three times a day. We might as well do a good job of it. So, right, you know. right. What, um, what kinds of ways did you find that getting pa patients to change um, were most successful? Was it a, you know, change everything at the same time or change things gradually or what what approach really worked for you yeah well we try to emphasize a, a, a plant-based diet uh, we generally say if the more colorful your plate is the healthier you're sure. living I use even dr. Vrainen who's another cardiologist in town uh, he would say avoid things that had hair on their back you know just to get a, get away from you know animal <laughs> products uh, so we kind of use things that are almost like sound bites things that are easy to, to remember sure if somebody wants more detail and they really want to diet some people says, I, you know, put me on a diet. Uh, I wouldn't really give them even a handout, but I would say, well, a Mediterranean diet is, is a good thing to follow. And it's, uh, and it's easy. It's just, and in fact, I put it into one of my songs and you know, fruits and veggies, nuts and fish, if a long life is your wish, you know? So again, lots of fruits and vegetables and nuts, again, no hair on the back. Those are all plant-based. It's easy to remember. Uh, and the other uh, component of, of Mediterranean diet is to remind people that fats and oils aren't necessarily bad, that they actually are good 
fats, monosaturated fats in, 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 in particular. And so the Mediterranean makes you think of uh, Italy and Greece and, and olive oil. So mm -hmm. uh, olive oil is, is a very good component. In fact, uh, if I'll put anything on my salad, in, in fact, I, I almost eat a salad uh, just plain with maybe a little bit of, of garlic powder or, or pepper on it. But if I'm going to put any dressing on it, I'll just put a little olive oil. Olive oil so. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, do you find that people are your patients are open to changing their diet? Well, the advantage my patients have is they've already had the manifestation of not eating well. Right. right. Most of them have hypertension. They have high cholesterol. They may have had a heart attack or a stroke or lost a limb to peripheral vascular disease. And again, it's it's kind of it's not too late because you can prevent a second heart attack, prevent a second stroke. Right. They could feel better. They could lose weight and be more active. But it's it's again, it's better to to do that back where you, you're talking about with the children, adolescents, because 80 percent of those problems that I'm dealing with are preventable. I mean, it's hard to believe, but cardiovascular disease, heart attack, strokes, and Peripheral vascular disease, clogging of your arteries to your legs that cause limb loss are, are preventable by what, what the American Heart Association calls this, the simple seven. You should know three numbers, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, and your blood sugar. And then the fourth health, four healthy habits we talk about all the time that people should be able to recite in their sleep. You know, be more active, eat appropriately, uh, keep your weight down, and avoid tobacco products. It's simple seven. It's very simple. Again, it's, it may sound sound bitey, but if you just remember those things, it's just a good way to, again, avoid 80% of cardiovascular disease. Again, heart disease remains the number one killer of people in the United States. And now, unfortunately, around the world, as the world becomes more industrialized and their habits get worse, there's more heart disease around the world than it used to be. So. Right. So thinking about, you know, avoiding the illness associated with those things and also the health care costs, it would be huge if we could just be more heart healthy from the beginning. Right, right. So in a, in a little while, we'll talk about specific foods that you recommend. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, thinking back to that statistic I, I mentioned in the beginning where the, you know, 50, 57% of these kids are going to be obese by 35. You know, you're a cardiologist. You see people mostly in adulthood and even right. at the end of their life. Um, what do you wish that parents that are listening would know about what can happen with a lifetime of eating some of the foods that we've gotten so used to, processed foods? And what do you wish they would do now with their young families and with themselves even in their eating habits? Right. So uh, again, uh, if they're overweight, uh, we talk about losing weight, which is a difficult thing. Um, uh, it can be frustrating. You've got to, like you say, you can't do everything at once. You've got to go slowly, but it's, it, again, a soundbitey kind of thing. Just move more, eat less. I mean, I've got a song. It starts out, move more, eat less, load up on the watercress while you're running hill and dale. Think about a side of kale. I mean, it's talking about <laughs> just burning up more calories than you're taking in. It's kind of like a law of conservation of matter, right? So, but again, that's, uh, uh, you know, take the, you know, the things we, we hear about, you know, to try to take the stairs instead of the elevator sometimes, park your car a little bit further away from, from where your destination so you do a little bit of walking uh, and again we're not talking about necessarily joining a health club or a gym and vigorously working out and 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 looking with envy at those people next to you that are you know they're they look like it came out of a, uh, a healthcare ad and they're, they're slim and they're active but just take a walk just uh in fact we know just a little bit of moderate activity maybe it goes a long way so yeah so losing weight is one thing. So being more active and eating better at all, it's all part of the same thing. Right, you know, right. So. I read somewhere that um, when 10-year-old uh, children were children's hearts were examined on autopsy, so maybe they mm -hmm. died of accidents or other issues, that almost 100% of American 10-year-olds already had fatty artery streaks. 
Ten-year-olds. Ten-year-olds, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware of, like, in the Korean War, when those soldiers in their late teens, early 20s died, they had atherosclerosis. That was, I didn't realize now we're, I'm not surprised, though, it's 10 years earlier now. Because look at the lifestyles. I mean, that's the the thing we're up against, right? I mean, when I was growing up, there were no computers, no cell phones. uh, uh, And we came home and went outside and, you know, played basketball, rode our bikes, played touch football. And now, you know, the kids have these, all this social network, and they've got computers, and they've got cell phones, and so you know they're not as active and then well, what else we got fast food we've got you know two parent house to, uh, to parents that are both working and they're they're eating out more and, and and fast food restaurants they're buying more prepared food so it's a conspiracy of less activity and more unhealthy diet so i'm not surprised the 10 year olds are, are showing signs yeah. of atherosclerosis but that's that's really an eye-opener so we need to do something about that yeah i tell families all the time we're really talking about now reversing disease right. in that 10-year-old right. and not right. even preventing it because right. it's already happening. That's a really good point. And the, the nice thing about that or the encouraging thing is that kind of atherosis you're talking about are fatty streaks. They're kind of uh, fat buildup in the arteries, but they're not calcified plaques. They're not um, major narrowings of the arteries. These kids aren't going to you know, be having heart attacks and strokes the next day. And that part, the, 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 the fat infiltration in the walls of the arteries is reversible. It's totally reversible. We know that. And even in adults, we take pictures of their arteries and we get them on extreme diets or and or medications that could drastically lower cholesterol, and we can actually see reversal of, of established atherosclerosis. And we've seen that um, uh, Dean Ornish and, and uh, with uh, heart with heart healthy lifestyles alone, you can actually reverse atherosclerosis. So we know we can do it in adults with more advanced vascular disease. Certainly, in these children with the early manifestations are totally reversible, and that's a, a, a very that would have been potentially very encouraging things for the parents and even the children. I guess at ten, they're old enough to realize. Right. You know, there's an an issue. You don't want to scare them. But on the other hand, you know, you can be healthier and it's going to be good for you. Right. Right. So So before we get to the foods, I actually have a fan question. Okay. And um, this comes from one of our Dr. Yum fans, Alexis. And she um, asks, my family has a history of early heart disease. I don't want to end up in the same boat as many of them. So what are the top foods I should be eating to prevent early heart disease? So let's talk about those foods now then. Okay. So, um, yeah, we should talk about several things. Uh, I'll answer this question, but I I do want to address the fact that I don't want uh, these – Individuals who have these concerning family backgrounds, uh, parents or uh, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles who died prematurely from heart disease, that they're kind of um, they've that same fate awaits them. Okay, because uh, a lot of the reasons that those individuals uh, had an early demise or died prematurely or had premature heart attacks and strokes isn't because they were genetically programmed to do that, but they potentially had poor health habits, right. especially smoking. We've got a lot of people who their relatives were heavy smokers and they had a lot of heart problems and it's not something that these they, they were genetically predisposed to. So, of sure. course, if their rel- uh, the relative we're talking about doesn't want to meet that same fate, one of the major things to do is just avoid tobacco products. In terms of foods, uh, again, we want to, like I mentioned, uh, processed foods are more ubiquitous in our environment and our, uh, you see them on TV, you see them in the supermarkets. In general, the more natural uh, your uh, diet, the healthier. 
so uh, uh, fruits and vegetables uh, in general, they, they don't have to be fresh. And people are concerned about maybe they're more expensive to, to have a, a diet high in, in fresh vegetables. But um, frozen vegetables are just as healthy, can tend to have a little bit more salt, but you can read labels and find out about that. But in general, uh, a plant-based diet, fruits and vegetables, um, uh, prepared healthfully, right, with olive oil rather than uh, uh, saturated fats. Um, so you almost can't go wrong. You know, we talk about having five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. We, we certainly encourage that, and that could be with every meal. Um, our favorite um, go-to drink at dinner now is a smoothie. Um, our, we're on our second or third uh, mixer. Uh, just uh, You can have two or three servings of fruits and vegetables just in a, in a glass, right. which is great. So right. uh, uh, we, I, we, I sort of got turned on to it on the, what is it called, tropical smoothie, the uh, they have these outlets where you can get them, but you can make them uh, yourselves. And yeah. I'm sure you have them on your website. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure you've got yes. options and all kind. You can change it up. And I'm sure the, the, the children at home would be, you know, love to start throwing things in that blender and, and making smoothies and changing oh, the colors. Yeah. And I'm sure you can talk about better, better than I can. But so in general, I'll try to turn my patients on to smoothies just to get make it easy to get those five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables, get that fiber. Uh, and in general, the plant-based diet does have more fiber, and uh, it's got the opposite effect on, on bowel habits that these processed foods have. With low fiber, high sugar, and, car- and, car- and complex uh, carbs, uh, simple carbs, and people will have uh, spend less time in the bathroom. They'll be more comfortable. Uh, there's, there's all these other benefits from a heart-healthy diet beyond just uh, – um, uh, uh, decrease in the instance of atherosclerosis. In fact, I've seen it on your website as well. It works with the kids too. I mean, it's yeah. not just the diet and the effects on the vascular system. It's the, the bedwetting and the, and the sleeping and the bowel habits, right? All that. So again, the more natural, um, the more plant-based the diet, the better. I'm not yeah. saying you can't avo- you have to avoid uh, meat altogether. Actually, uh, meat's a good source of protein. But then we start talking about portion control and trimming the fat and using lean meats. Uh, and we try to encourage, if you're going to have meat in your diet, to limit it to four ounces of meat, of lean beef. Uh, and people say, what's four ounces? Well, if you look at the palm of your an adult hand, that's about the size of the meat or a deck of cards. It's not a lot. I know it's not what you're used to, and it's certainly not what you're accustomed to getting served in a restaurant, but you can do that. And in fact, I have one of my songs. Uh, it talks about the fact that when you eat out, you're going to get a lot. So the first thing you do is cut your portions in half and take that home. So it goes, um, if you're eating out tonight, before you take a single bite, cut your portions right in two. That's the prudent thing to do. Dress your salad with olive oil. To principles, you should be loyal. Stay away from food that's fried, baked and broiled. Eat with pride. Mediterranean diet, you really should try it. Fruits and veggies, nuts and fish. If a long, if a long life is, you, is your wish, I'm talking to you, Tom and Trish. It really counts what's in your dish. And when you're done, doggy bag it, dog nab it. And on the way out, don't forget to grab it. Because how many times have you gotten a doggy bag and you've left it on the table? So, so that that I love it. That verse in the song actually I tells you it. what how to eat prudent. So I tell my patients, you know, it's not just what you eat; it's how much. So you've got to be prudent with portion control, and uh, includes when you're eating out. And because again, uh, the, uh, the restaurants um, they are getting better. A lot of them do have nutritional value of their meals and salt content. But a lot you'll you'll see a lot of salt and fat in prepared in foods restaurant foods because that's how they encourage people to eat there. 
better, to taste better. That's what we're, that's what we're brought up to know it tastes better. Now, hopefully, you, what you're doing, what I'm doing, is going to change that. That people right. realize you don't have to have salt and fat to enjoy a good meal. Right, right, yeah. and you know, it's modifying uh, the diet that you may already love. So one thing at the Dr. Young Project that we do is we try to reach a broad audience and mm-hmm. have um, lots of different types of recipes, so that hopefully, if you're going to our site there will be something that speaks to your palate. And, um, you know, personally, we don't prepare. We try to really focus on plant-based here. And, you know, uh, I do realize that, you know, people want don't want to give up the things that they love. So right, right. we, you know, when we talk about meat even, we say use it as a condiment. Use it as a mm, flavoring more idea. than yeah. just, you know, that it has to be a large portion taking up a large amount on your plate. Um, but, you know, even our meal maker machine, which I think you've seen. Oh, that's one of my favorite yeah. web-based tools you have. Oh, Is well, that thanks. where you have, uh, you look at what you've got in your pantry and refrigerator right. and then you, you right, put it right. in there. And, yeah. So you can make a great soup or a great salad um, and use plant-based protein, or you can use a little bit of animal-based protein, but most of the recipe is really just taken up by veggies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're really just trying to show people that you know you can still have some of the things that you love, but just make it take up less of your your plate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that feels less intimidating to yeah, people. And good, then certainly yeah. if they're willing to go the distance and, and go for an exclusively plant-based diet, right. um, they can do that, mm-hmm. but at least we're meeting people where they are and bringing right. them along with us on the journey. Yeah, I would estimate that Ginny and I are probably, it's just two of us now, we're empty nesters, but we're probably 75% plant-based. But when we have, our neighbors have grandchildren who the parents are have some strict dietary uh, issues, and when they come over, we uh, Ginny will make like a, like you're talking about a soup, um, but kind of thick so they we can get those. We were talking about scoops, you know, and and you can actually eat the meal scooping it like a dip, you know. Right. But it's it's fun. I mean, these kids are like four, five, six years old, so you can have a meal without even using silverware, you know. And it's uh, it's heart healthy. It's fun, and it's uh, but like I say, yeah, we can have a little bit. Uh, we have was that beef uh, beef vegetable soup, but it's just some some lean beef, and you can. Uh, Again, so you can get your beef and you get your protein, and yeah, it, but it's yeah. not the major component of the meal. Right? Right, right, right. Were your kids growing up open to this kind of heart-healthy style of eating, or was it all they knew? Yeah, well, they, they had the same advantage as I did. You know, Jenny being an RN uh, and being attentive to that, uh, we had uh, – it's not like we never had ice cream and cake cookies. Don't get me wrong, but um, in fact, I have a – there is a line in my song about uh, cakes and cookies on occasion. Um, oh, my uh, – Moderation, don't no, I can't. Well, anyway, what it is is though uh, it's in the middle of a verse. I can't, I can't read. But uh, the fact that uh, you don't have to totally eliminate right. uh, sweets, right? But uh, uh, it's got a, everything, and you know, uh, moderation is the key. Yeah. So. so that actually brings me. We had an, another fan question from Katie, and she wanted to know. This kind of speaks to that. Mm-hmm. What can you? Um, what do you tell your patients? about limiting fatty foods and is it important for me to limit fatty foods in my children's diet mm. so uh and that that kind of goes back to uh an issue brought up before you know i've got it uh adults with well-established patterns actually their life long patterns of eating and sedentary lifestyle and you know how much can you uh, adjust uh, uh, and how quickly and again uh, it's a, it's a slow process and, and you can't cut out all the meat and all the fat and all the salt all overnight right so uh, this is Katie is that who was asking yeah yeah um, uh, and again um, uh, children 
you know, they have, they're playing with children, they're speaking with friends. I mean, they, they go to other homes, they eat out. So you can't, uh, again, give them the idea that they're living in some kind of uh, bubble and restricted lifestyle. So, uh, again, we had and, and we rewarded our children when we, in fact, when we were taking road trips, um, sometimes we'd stop for lunch and we'd, we'd stop at Dairy Freeze and have an ice cream cone and that would be our lunch. But our breakfast was very heart healthy and our dinner was very heart healthy. And those couple hundred calories was a relatively small portion of our sure. daily intake. Sure. So, again, it's um, uh, and it does it does satisfy your appetite. So if you're on a road trip, you know, the fat does keep you satisfied for right. longer and uh, but fiber does as well so it's not like you have to uh, uh, avoid you have to eat sweets to, to stay full but so it is it is a moderation kind of thing and it is a balance right um, but um, yeah fat is an important component of the diet I mean you these all every cell you have is a cell membrane one of the major components of that cell membrane is cholesterol I mean you, we have you need some fat and some cholesterol for healthy living right it's just it's, it should be a relatively small portion. And so what about sugars? Because, you know, there's been all this attention for so many decades about fat and heart health. And really, I feel like the needle has moved so much towards being conscious about sugars and mm -hmm. carbs. And, mm -hmm. you know, what's your take on that? Yeah, in fact, we, we really um, had a, a, a message that probably wasn't the right one. Back in the 60s, you're right, the focus was on getting cholesterol and fat out of the diet, and we replaced it with uh, these simple sugars and simple carbs that actually would, when you eat them and ingest them, they would cause a surge of insulin, and that insulin is not healthy, and it caused other problems. So uh, we've learned now that, uh, yes, we need to limit uh, fat and cholesterol, but substituting prepared foods and, and all these sources of hidden sugars in the diet isn't the right alternative. So right. we want complex carbohydrates. We want high fiber so that when we eat things, these are just, just digested uh, more slowly, that you don't release this sugar uh, in a sudden uh, rush into into the bloodstream, and then the body's got to defend itself with insulin secretion, other hormones that are have adverse consequences. Right. So, right. So. Yeah. This this rush of insulin, it seems like you know, even in my pediatric patients, I sometimes do labs and I see these sky high insulin numbers on right. on yeah. kids, and um, they're just taxing their. I tell them, be, be kind to your sweet little pancreas um, yeah, and, and yeah. You don't overload it with so much yeah, sugar, you right. know, the sodas and the cereals right. and the, even, you know, health foods, quote unquote, health foods like yogurt are just piled with sugar. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and I see this insulin resistance even in kids, you know, as young as in my pediatric population. Right, so middle right. school kids. Right. Um, right. right. It's important to, for people to realize that when we talk about insulin, it's not necessarily a patient with diabetes that insulin right. is a, is an, is a important component of, uh, of every person. It's part of the, how you regulate sugar metabolism. But, uh, again, yes, we can overdo it. So I like to ask my guests a couple of questions. And so yeah. I thought I would save these for for last. Okay. So what is a healthy eating habit? I'll give them to you all at once. Okay. What is a healthy eating habit that you've conquered that you think has really been um, instrumental to your good health? What is a, eating, a healthy eating habit you are still working on? So okay. maybe it's a little more challenging for you. Mm -hmm. And then what's your favorite veggie? So first... A healthy eating habit you have conquered, something that you feel really proud of that is health promoting. Uh, yeah, I think um, the most, the, the biggest thing I've conquered is is uh, skipping or skipping or skimping on breakfast. Mm. I think in general, uh, it's important. We we kind of eat backwards. I mean, if you think about when you're active, you're active during the day, and then things slow down at night. 
uh, unless you tend to work out at night so really your your most of your calories should be earlier in the day and then you kind of back off uh during the rest of the day so you know your mom or your grandmother always told you that your most important meal of the day is breakfast but and there's some uh truth to that that you should at least have a reasonably balanced breakfast and not skip breakfast altogether because again you're going to get that insulin thing you're going to be hungry you're going to have surges of, uh, of hormones you're going to have trouble concentrating so right. i've done better part of it is because my career is less demanding in the morning my schedule is more my own rather than uh, i'm not on call and my hours are a little bit more uh, a little better but i have taken advantage of that and make sure i at least get a bowl of a high fiber cereal and just a little bit of sugar and a good serving of fruit nice. every morning i like okay. that i like that okay yeah. so what about a health healthy eating habit that might be more challenging for you that you're yeah still i love my dark longer? chocolate yeah okay so uh in fact i tell people that the three uh happiest days of my life one um the day i got married uh the second the day my first child was born and third the day i found out with dark chocolate was good for you <laughs> <laughs> now i heard lately that maybe that's not so quite so true but I, you don't know what to believe you know things uh with certain diet recommendations they change like the, like a weather vane pointing one way or the other although most of the things we've talked about are well grounded in science and 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 are, are taken at face value but yeah i got the, the dark chocolate and the, and the thing that really hurt was that the Russell Stover's outlet down in Bowling Green is closing I don't know if you heard about that they had a 75% off sale and my wife went there with a neighbor and um, now my freezer is full of this uh, 75% off chocolate so that's oh, gonna be a problem goodness. we're gonna have to really dole that out maybe maybe spread it around but uh, so yeah I have a sweet tooth so I gotta <laughs> be careful about that maybe she should hide some of it but I did my, I, I'm active I'm, I run around all day uh, I, I'm and I keep my weight down so um, i so, but that's one thing. That's one weakness. Yeah. My favorite vegetable is really, really tough. I think probably Brussels sprouts. It's funny because when they talk about superfoods, they've always been my favorite. Blueberries, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Did I leave any out? Because I love all of them. Yeah. But they're uh, spinach, I think. Spinach and kale, the green leafy vegetables. But I think if I had to pick one, if I was stuck on an island, um, yeah, Brussels sprouts. I don't know why, but I do. And now roasted ones, they're delicious. Roasted, roasted so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. We have a recipe on our website. You know, Brussels sprouts are a little bitter. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I find, though, as you roast them longer and longer, they get... Um, easier okay. to eat. And um, so we have two ways that we do Brussels sprouts for kids to get them used to it. So one is we use a little bit of a glaze and okay. the glaze has some maple syrup in it. And mm. that's a familiar taste. So it's a food chain, right? We talk about food chains a lot when we're talking <laughs> to kids um, and getting them to like things that they may not naturally right, like. Right. So you chain a flavor or a texture to a food mm-hmm. that they're learning to like with one that they already like. So okay. every, yeah. every kid likes pancakes and syrup so it's a familiar taste and then the other way we do it is chips brussels sprouts chips have you ever Mm, done that i'm not sure i've had kale chips but not brussels sprouts yeah so you um you cut off the nubby little end and then you let it fall apart and break it apart and massage it with a little olive oil like you mentioned little salt and pepper and and you roast them till they're crispy and they get this chip like consistency and the kids you cannot stop these kids in our cooking classes here at the Dr. Young Project you can't stop them from eating them I mean it's just it brings tears to my eyes when I see these kids eating fistfuls of Brussels sprouts think about our healthcare bill if we we could switch all those potato chips all those Tostitos all those Fritos (laughs) to kale chips and and Brussels sprout chips I mean we'd probably cut our health bill in half I know that'd be great yeah 
So it's nice that you like those because that's one that yeah. I've really learned to like. And it yeah, I think I like the mine. texture too. It's just something about, yeah, it's yeah. very individual. Do you roast them or yeah. how do you do No, them? I mean, you just, just Brussels sprouts when they're cooked just right. Yeah. Okra too. People, they don't turn their nose up at okra. I love okra too. It's just, it's very individual. You got to find, right? What yeah. Experiment. And that, I think we were very good with our boys is, you know, we tried a lot of different things. We didn't force them to eat anything, but... But the interesting thing about children, I don't know if you've heard this, is that that receptor in the brain for sugar is very tight. It's a very uh, – and, in fact, I heard it's tighter than opi the opioid receptor. So right. kids, when they expose to sugar early on, uh, it becomes something that they really crave, and, get, and and that's something we have to overcome. But I think you can – I guess start early yeah. with breastfeeding and whatever else you give children, you know, naturally um, – pureeing food rather than giving prepared food. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of sugar in baby food, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah you know, one of the things we um, like to do is just establish a palate you know, that's, you know, natural. So mm -hmm. kids really learn to enjoy foods in their natural state. Like you talked about your mom making foods that were just unadorned with right. not a lot of sauces and flavorings. Right. Right. And, you know, my practice is an interesting case study because I'm very, very proactive about teaching families how to cook these foods and, t and showing them recipes and getting them into the baby food classes. Right. <laughs> um, and so a lot of these moms and dads are, they tell me very proudly, they don't like sugar. Oh, you know, they wow. just, they love, you know, I gave them a cupcake for their birthday and they didn't yeah. know what to do with it. Yeah. They were not impressed yeah. and they tend to go for the fruits and veggies in their natural yeah. state. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, they've carefully built that flavor profile mm -hmm. from the very mm -hmm. first bites. Mm -hmm. And, um, and these kids, you know, maybe eventually they'll go out into the real world right, and get right. a taste of it. But, you know, we talk about that too, how yeah. to make sure that the culture doesn't come Right, into the right. home and that you can preserve those habits yeah, that you've started, yeah, yeah. you know, so carefully in the beginning. So. I don't think it works Delta too, because I know that except for the dark chalk that I'm, things taste, um, sometimes things are too sweet now. I'm trying yeah. to cut back on sugar and, and the salts too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I could do better on salt, but, um, but I think you can train your taste buds to, uh, adjust and enjoy lesser of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've seen that even in my own family. My boys, you know, since we've really been mindful of the sugar, they are sensitive to it yeah. now. Yeah. Another thing I saw, speaking of, of, of infants, is I saw a woman who, whose uh, infant must have been teething. I don't know what, what age that is, probably several months. And she had, um, she took a cucumber out of her out of a cooler, and it was a cool cucumber, and it had been uh, scaled. I mean, it was just the, and, and the, the baby was sucking on the, it must have been the cool, soothing yeah. cucumber, you know, it. soothing the teething in a very natural and, and more healthful way than whatever else you can what, 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 I can't remember what you would do otherwise for teething, I love but, that yeah, I had yeah. a mom once who brought her two year old in and she um, was telling me about all the foods that he loved to eat and two year olds naturally don't have the widest palate they're kind okay. of growing slower and they're not interested in food And but he loved everything cucumbers and celery and I said how did you do yeah, this yeah. she said every time I tell him you know you're gonna if you're really good I'll give you a cucumber and I yeah. entice him and reward him with healthy food. And yeah. it's just, it has worked. That's so um, it's kind of turning it on its head. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think, it, you know, the, just the fact that every, that we're, there's, we hear more conversations about healthy eating, about being more active, about, you know, eating more healthfully, and even smoking rates are going down. I mean, I think people are starting to get the message. I you think can't, they are. you know, when we were growing up, you could smoke anyway. You can't even smoke in a restaurant anymore at a public place. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Now we got to get the vaping out of there too, because I think that's. Right. That's not a great thing. Well, either, that's but, really picking up in my yeah, population of yeah, patients too, unfortunately. Yeah. 
So Dr. Lewis is a cardiologist here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he is also um, the founding member of Rick and the Arrhythmics, which right. is a band. So before we leave, give us your best line, one of your favorite lines from one of your songs. Can you think oh, of one boy, that, that's tough. that um, people always like? You've given us a lot. You've really yeah. treated us to a lot of juicy bits. But uh, what's one that everyone tends to really like? Limit salt, sugar, fat. Nothing's really wrong with that. Fruits and veggies are your friends. Lots of color. That's the trend. Brown rice, brown bread. Choose the dark carbs instead. Eating right is not that hard. No more Crisco, no more lard. Read those labels because they enable you to fill your cart with good stuff for your heart. Even Bart is starting to look smart. Thanks to Mary Washington Healthcare for their generous financial support of this podcast. Thanks also to Gay Adegbalola for her musical contributions. This has been Dr. Yum's Dish. Check out our website at dryum.org and search Dr. Yum to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. That cabbage, oh, she's a cutie. Please roll around and have such fun. Lettuce has pretty ruffles. But they're not number one Give me some broccoli Give it to me please Give me some broccoli That's what I need It tastes so good I can't go wrong Vitamins and minerals Keep me strong That's broccoli, broccoli, broccoli That's what I said with that cute little bushy.